You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 736. I've always had a deep belief that the thing that was always going to stay intact, the thing that I would always have that mattered most, that would transcend industry, that would transcend time, that would transcend disruption, would be the strength of the team that we built. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. As always, very excited that you guys are with us. If you're tuning in, you are actually stepping into a three-part series. We are doing part two today. So definitely go back and check out part one. What we're talking about is, um, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, one of the things that I get the most compliments on, which makes me extremely proud, particularly as a leader, is people are always complimenting the team that we have. Chris, you have such an amazing staff. Where did you find your staff and and how in the world did you get all of these great talented people to work together and to work together for so long? And so we wanted to do really a a three-part series on how has a remote real estate team like ourselves really survived for the last decade and uh, previously, you know, we hit on a few things just to retouch, but definitely go back and listen. This entire series has been really created by my team because I asked them to answer this question, not myself. And I took down the notes of, you know, why they felt we as a team really have as deep of a culture that we have and as tight knit as we are. And so last time we talked about the importance of promise keeping the importance of really caring about each other and the totality of each other's lives and the importance of just being radically transparent. And in the last series, we really are breaking down stories that represent these things. And so if you're tuning in, team building is everything. I believe that teams, not individuals, change the world. I believe that if you're building a team and you have massive turnover, it's going to slow down the growth of your organization tremendously because you're going to be constantly hiring and firing. I don't think you'll ever really get the freedom that you're looking for if you don't have a team. I know a lot of people ask, Chris, how is it that you're able to live down in Tulum and to really kind of get that lifestyle business that we're all working for? And that's an easy question for me to answer because it comes down to how incredible the team is that we have. And then I think without a team, honestly, you just miss out on the joy of the journey of doing it together. And so again, if you're listening today, you might be brand new to real estate, never done a deal, don't have anyone. You might be a two or three person team, or you might be a large team. But I can tell you at some point, what we're talking about is going to be something that is going to be applicable to you. And so what we want to do is create a series of just talks in which really just like really from the heart, like not textbook at all, just like... How in the world have we survived together for this long going through what we've gone through? So let's pick back up the conversation today on part two with really kind of three more things that we felt like have kept us together for this long. The next one really is about trust. Trust in the sense of trusting each other's opinions, trusting each other in the decision-making that we're making together. Really as a leader, like how far 
do you trust your team? And I can tell you <laughs> the moment in which you will know how far you trust your team. And that's when you go through a downturn. Uh, I've been in business now for 16 years. I started in 2005, which means I, of course, went through the downturn of 2008. And then our industry is wholesaling. Depends on how long you've been in the game or not. We went through quite a bit of a downturn starting in around 2018. That was a year when a lot of people were really kind of representing the fact that revenues for a myriad of reasons had potentially dropped by 50%. And so that was a really, really tough year. So Sierra, I want to kind of kick this off to you on on the story and this concept of trusting each other's decision-making and how strong is a team and how strong is a leader and how much do you know whether or not a leader trusts their team, honestly, and I'll say it when the shit hits the fan. You want to talk a little bit about our downturn and what that looked like for us? Yeah. So obviously we've been been doing this for a long time, but we've had periods where we've had to make some really quick decisions. We've had to make very hurtful decisions, you know, but we had to do it together. And I think this kind of, this goes both ways. So you ask, you know, at what point, how do we show that a leader trusts his team? I think that that we represent that very well by going through a downturn. And I know you and I had a conversation where you basically told me, look it, we need to make some hard decisions. Do I need to be a, do you think that you guys could take this and see what you can cut? And you trusted us to make those choices because one thing I'm very much not great at is, is um, just cutting to cut. I need to know that there's not going to have a massive effect on multiple things. I cannot just cut things to cut things. So there's a lot of talking it out. And at that point in time, I think the most recent time that we had, you know, you were handling multipliers, you were, you know, you were in Tulum, you were doing a million things and trying to launch something else. And so I really needed to rally our team, our core team of leaders together. And we needed to do this together. So I think that moment where you told me that you had complete faith that we could make these decisions, it's your company and you trusted us to make those cuts. That was really big for me. And another part of that is how we kind of showed that, that we were loyal through that process. Because I'm going to tell you, it's pretty easy to cut technology. It's pretty easy to cut the random things. What's not easy is to cut people, especially people that are talented and doing everything right. That's very difficult. This isn't a case where you have to cut people because they're doing poorly. You have to cut people that are talented and really excelling. It's a whole nother decision. And so when I brought this to our team, our core team, and I said, we need to make some cuts or we're not going to be able to come out of this properly. You know, we, we need to do this. And not one person on that call hesitated when, when it came down to their paycheck. They didn't want to leave. That wasn't the situation. It wasn't, hey, you can just fire me. It was, hey, how about this? <laughs> how about you cut my pay to half pay until we're out of this? And it was a volunteer thing. This was them coming to me with this. And I remember one team member said it and every single person on that call was like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That is totally unexpected to not even have to ask. They were all willing to jump in and take that cut, that temporary cut. You know, there was others that, that said, take my whole paycheck, but I'm not leaving. 
I'm going to support the company. So I think it's kind of a twofold thing. It was you giving us the trust to, you were trusting us enough to make these decisions and knowing that we were going to do that. We were going to cut what we had to cut because we wanted to survive because we stood behind what the mission is. But then on the other side of that, it was people, team members volunteering their paychecks, volunteering their paychecks because they knew that there was more to this that they wanted to be a part of. And I'm going to tell you, the ones that did, they continued to work just as hard as if their, their pay was at full. We saw no type of slack. <laughs> you know, there was none of it. They just kept pushing. And I think that that shows on both sides how we mutually respect each other as a team. And we want to do this together. Yeah. I think it's a great story because I think there's a few things that come out of that, particularly from a leadership perspective. What I will tell you is, as a leader, what I find is when things get difficult at the top, what leadership usually does, and let's say you're an individual person, or maybe you have a business partner, all of a sudden, a lot of the meetings start happening behind closed doors. There's a lot of closed doors. There's a lot of quiet conversations. And what I learned is, is that the more difficult things get in your organization, the more wide open you actually need to keep that door so that everybody can hear the conversation of what's going on. There's an old principle that I love, and it says, you've got to run your business like an aquarium. And if you want to know whether or not you trust your team or not, what I always ask people is, how much have you actually opened up your books to the people in your organization? Now, that doesn't mean you open all your books to every single people in your organization, but there are those that are there as your key people, as your directors, and as the leaders in your organization that cannot help you navigate difficult times if they don't really know what's going on. And so what I find a lot of leaders do is they hide during that time and they try to pretend that everything is okay. And uh, I love what my CFO has always told us here. And that is, he always says, you got to go open kimono. You got to show it all. You can't hide the numbers from your team, particularly in difficult times, because what that means is, is that you're putting all of that pressure on yourself to try to figure out how to navigate this. And Sarah, as you knew within that particular circumstance, I knew that I was not going to be able to navigate all of that, as well as the other businesses and things that we had going on at the same time. And what I thought was amazing was that I could take something as difficult as, hey, I don't know that we're going to make payroll. I don't even know where to begin to solve this problem, but I'm going to trust you guys if you get together you know, around the table that you guys are going to be able to figure out what needs to happen. And I want you guys to imagine that if you're listening to that. I mean, I think a lot of situations, a leader would come in and say, well, you're fired. There's a X amount of cut across the board, blah, blah, blah. And it's more of a dictatorship type of decision because of the way that we run our team. And again, this is what this podcast is about, why we have stuck together is I said, there's no way that I can make that decision. I can't make that decision for them. That's their livelihood um, as well as mine. And so we took that challenging circumstance. We put the leadership team together and the leadership team came through with solutions that enabled us to navigate that very difficult time. So what I would say is, you know, as you guys have said, and I've just taken notes on this process, like if you want to last for 10 years, the question comes down to how much do you really trust the decision-making of your team? If 
everything feels like it's about to fall apart and the potential end is near, do you hoard all the decision-making yourself at that point and go, well, I, you know, I trust them, but when it gets this difficult, I'm going to take the ball away from them. Or do you have the approach and the mindset of, hey, it is really difficult right now. I actually have to lean into trusting my team more than anything else. And of course, as a leader, that's not fun. That's super vulnerable. No leader likes to come in and open up books when things are challenging. When things are going really well, it's great to show off your books. Look how much net we made this month. Let's celebrate that. That's easy to do. But when you're losing the game, that's a little bit more difficult. But I'll tell you the thing that that I took away from that was I realized that the team that we had was showing up so much more than for the business. They were showing up for the mission. And I really felt at that point as a leader, I felt that they were also showing up because they trusted me and they believed in me that I would figure out how in the world to get us out of that particular difficult situation. And so I think that that's a, a really great story, Sierra, of, of what bonded us together. Um, let's go to the second one. And it overlaps a little bit. We just began to touch on it. I remember reading one time that there are two types of employees. There are those that show up for a paycheck and there are those that show up for the mission. And uh, I can tell you that if you look at your organization and put people into one of two, those two buckets, you will realize that those are two completely different team members. Those that show up for the paycheck, when things get hard, I mean, they're out. I mean, they're there for the paycheck. But if you have people that show up because they deeply believe in the vision that you have and the mission that you have, at times when things go up and down and regardless of whatever is coming down, they're going to stick around a lot longer because they're there for the mission. I know for me, and this has been my perspective, and I've had some arguments in the past with some previous people about this. I always realized that the most important thing that we ever built was never the business itself. It wasn't even the model. It was the chassis. The reason why is because every model, you know, every stabilizer, everything that you build will eventually die. Like companies don't last forever. I mean, as much as we want to believe that wholesaling will last forever, it probably won't. I mean, I mean, look at real estate brokerage right now. That's been around for a long time, but you know, that's on the crusp of going away. I mean, look at the taxi industry, look at, you know, iTunes and everything that happened there with the music industry. So Everything that you will eventually step into industry-wise and as a model, they all have a certain length of time in which they'll run, but at some point, those things will be disrupted. And so I've always had a deep belief that the thing that was always going to stay intact, the thing that I would always have that mattered most, that would transcend industry, that would transcend time, that would transcend disruption, would be the strength of the team that we built. And so I really believe that we've lasted as long as we've had because I have valued the team above any business that we were ever doing. Christy, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but your mindset has always been, <laughs> I know you, Chris, You know, three years from now, we definitely won't be doing what we're doing. 10 years from now, we won't be doing what we're doing. But the one thing that will always remain consistent is the fact that we built such a great team that it doesn't matter what we decide to tackle, we can go build any business together. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Because I know you really, really understand that philosophy and believe it. And that's what I truly believe 
we happen to be in wholesaling, we happen to have these other businesses right now, in 10 years, we may not have them. We may be raising puppies. It doesn't matter because we have a strong team that everybody has a role and people grow into roles as we roll through businesses. I have served many different roles, <laughs> but the core people, we can run any business. And I tell people all the time that I work for Chris Arnold. I just don't work for the business. I work for you. And whatever we're doing, that's what we're doing. And if we're doing something else next week, that's what we're doing. Because it'll still be this great group of people and we'll still be working together. We just may be selling hot dogs. Who knows? <laughs> exactly right. But I think what that mentality is, if you believe the most important asset you have is your team and you deeply believe that, I believe that you will treat and lead and love that team much differently than if you don't believe that the most important asset you have is the team itself. And honestly, I don't see a lot of people that have that belief system. I've gotten into some heated debates where, hey, just fire everybody on the team and let's focus on the model. And my mindset is like, the model doesn't matter. What is going to stay consistent forever is how difficult and how hard it was to assemble the team that we have. Like if you wanted to rip my soul out, that would be, you know, tearing apart the team itself. Now, if wholesaling or any of the other companies we run and those industries fall apart, yeah, that's tough. You have to pivot, but it wouldn't really affect me as much because I know that the family is going to stay intact and we can go run any business together. That's what great teams do. So I think that that's a really, really important piece. Let's go down to the last one for today. And that is, this has been interesting what I've learned over time. You know, there was a time early on where I felt like I was responsible for maintaining the standard and, and firing people. But I can tell you there's a point where if you build a talented enough team, they'll actually just weed each other out. I don't fire people anymore. There's times where when I say fire, I'm not the one that brings it up. Usually it's brought to me. And this person is fundamentally being voted off the island by the rest of the people because over time, what begins to transcend is a standard. And if somebody doesn't meet that standard within the organization, then everybody else looks at that person and says, you know what? They just don't make the cut anymore. So Scarlett, you want to talk a little bit about our experience when it comes out of the fact of what has kept us together so long is that we've had the willingness to have some necessary endings and to weed people out pretty quickly that either didn't meet our core values or really didn't meet the level at which we you know, expect each other to function within the organization? Sure. And this has really been hard for a team like ours because we're all so close. You know, everyone on our team has different personalities. They come from different backgrounds, but we all pretty much have the same core values and work towards the same goals. And it ends up forming like this team ecosystem almost. And every so often we have that one person that really just kind of disrupts that. They're just sometimes just really toxic. Um, one that really sticks out was he was actually one of our top producers, but he really just kind of enjoyed the chaos he created. He would make the other sales team members just miserable with his negativity, the lies. I mean, he would stir up stuff just really for his own entertainment. He was producing, but no one wanted to work with him. He just really created a bad atmosphere. So that's the point where, you know, I would raise my, I would raise my concerns to Sierra. And then we really 
sat down and figured out what next steps were. I mean, it was guys like that that, you know, ultimately we did have to weed out for the good of the team. I'll tell you if you're listening and maybe you have that person in your team right now that you're wondering whether they should stay or they should go. I remember sitting around a, an EO table one time. I was a part of an entrepreneurial organization. And this guy said, this is the only question you'll ever need to answer on whether or not you should fire someone or not. And I said, what's that question? And they said, well, if you know everything about that person that you know right now, and you are all the way back at the very beginning, and they were sitting across the table from you, would you offer them the job? Knowing everything that you know about them now. And it's really interesting because I think that that cuts through a lot of BS um, because either you're going to get a hell yes or a no from that answer. And uh, we've utilized that question quite a bit to determine whether or not somebody should stay within the organization. And as I say, you you can't save a plant by overwatering it. At some point, you've got to prune that rose bush and, and you have to let it go. And so you know, the three points with this particular talk that we really want to lay down is, you know, number one, the thing that's kept us together, or what, you know, Krista and Sierra and Grace and Scarlett have really helped me understand is, Chris, you've trusted us to really make some of the most difficult decisions rather than hiding off in some dark cave by yourself to make those. Because you did that, we felt empowered we felt like we have a voice. We felt like we have control around the destiny of the organization and particularly our future because we've agreed to follow you. The second thing is the fact that you know we are mission-oriented. We are not showing up for a paycheck, but we are showing up because we believe that over time, this team will more and more impact the world. And You know, I won't get into a lot of that, but for those of you that do know me, we're definitely not in this because of real estate. We just view it as a vehicle to be able to impact the world. It's a great vehicle. It's a vehicle that gives freedom of time and freedom of resources to really go out and solve some of the bigger problems that exist in the world because we really believe that you can't rely on government to solve most of the problems that are out there. Most of the problems that exist will be solved via the private sector being small and large businesses that take the funds that they create to go out and solve those. And then the last thing, you know, I hope that you heard is you've got to be willing to weed people out. You've got to be able to create a culture that not just you have a standard, but everyone in the organization is on the same page on that standard. And when someone doesn't meet that, it's not you just pointing the finger. It's people actually coming and knocking on your door, which I've had before. They've seen it before I have and said, Chris, I don't know that you're seeing it as quickly as we do, but um, this person has to go. They're not meeting the standard that we have. And so I believe that because we have maintained a certain standard within our organization as a whole, we've not allowed any bad apples to come in and ruin the overall culture because I know anyone listening understands that it only takes one person to come in. That's a virus that will literally come through and uh, disrupt the entire organization and the entire culture as well. So those are a few things for us that have been just essential that we feel like have kept us together uh, for the last few years as well. So this is the end of uh, part two. We have one more series coming next Wednesday, just talking about how we've stayed together for almost 10 years. And as always, um, we would love to help you if you're interested in setting up your radio. It's something that we're passionate about, something that we've been doing for 10 years ourselves. 
It's funny. We've been doing uh, Sierra Radio for as long as uh, we've been working together. Uh, I just put that two yeah. and two together. That's actually pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, n- I never connected those two dots. So if you're interested in radio and uh, setting up a marketing channel that creates inbound calls for you that we uh, know is what would be considered low maintenance and creates that local celebrity status, myself, as well as the ladies that you're hearing on this call are a part of that as well. We'd love to be able to help you set that up and get that up and going. So as always, you can check us out by booking a call. You can go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Book a call and see if your market's open. And to the rest of you guys, we will catch you soon when we add more value. Talk to you later. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.